Welcome to Spaghetti Launchers, a world-building podcast where we throw spaghetti at the wall and it's up to you what sticks. Each episode, we go in-depth on a single element of fictional worlds, breaking it down and developing unique examples live on the fly to give you ideas you can copy, steal, or be inspired by. Whether you're a writer, a GM, or an all-around nerd goblin, nerd goblin, just looking to indulge your imagination, we've got you covered. I'm Kyle. I'm Ethan. In this episode, we'll be discussing Knightly Orders. Knightly Orders, the Paragons of Justice and Virginity. And Shrubberies. Shrubberies. For we are the knights who say, Nee! I can't do the rest of the Icky, 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 Katang, Zoom, Ping, Pong. Yeah, so there's a lot of different types of Knightly Orders. Uh, We can go with the knights who say, Nee! You can can go with the Jedi. You've got... You've got the Sith. I mean, they don't necessarily have to be good. What we're more talking about is like a a, a semi-independent institution steeped in history they're highly skilled they're warrior class warrior class required to be warrior class and like they i i think there needs to be some level of mystique to them either they're draw, you know sort of like yeah. what i said they're drawing from some magical or metaphysical power or they're so physically domineering they're so good at what they do that you're like that's not human sort of like when you see usain bolt run you're like that shouldn't be possible how are you doing that yeah but they do that all day long. Yeah, there's a there's a sense of intimidation that comes with any knightly order, but then the defining characteristic of them is usually brotherhood, sisterhood, depending on what. Yeah. Like you know, like uh, the Amazons, they, like the are Amazons. are a great example of a knightly order. You know, it, it, it what's not gender knights? You know, absolutely it, it, not. But historically, because we're looking at like actual real world history, medieval knights are common. Mm-hmm. You know, Camelot. Yeah squires uh going on the crusades all that stuff that is uh that's steeped in real life history we how have to make the- this fresh how do you how do you like yeah. so many of the pastiches that we roll with are based off of obviously our own world so like w- you know in your world what would make it different i think it's like it's a matter of degrees because if you're trying to keep it within the nightly order i think it's degrees into being making it fresh so i think if we go with something where it's like they're really niche i mm-hmm. love the knights who say knee i'm gonna circle back on them the, of you like might say niche yeah <laughs> uh the knights who say knee are a great idea for like they're a great archetype of a niche nightly order you can throw anywhere in a world they are comic relief they are yep. obscure they are a thorn in people's sides they're yep. an annoyance because yep. not all nightly orders are justice or evil they are sometimes just like petty they are weird they are they are traditionalists for something yeah or they are protectors of something they can be protecting green knight from sir gawain and the green knight is like he's not he's he maybe represents the forest but it's like he's just sort of there i I haven't seen the green knight um i probably should i heard it was great Uh, i haven't read the green knight because i hear it's incredibly difficult to read i read it in bits of it in high school yeah uh so i don't really know much about it but i like the idea of, of just having a nightly order that can be uh, set dressing. I think, mm. like, if you're fleshing out a world, having different factions in the background, and we're doing a lot of faction episodes in in, in this podcast. Yeah, that, that factions rule. Factions rule, but they're great set dressing, and they help define the term in political sciences: cross cutting cleavages of how do you get to you have people with different interests, and mm-hmm. how are they aligning, and how are they, and how are they separate? Factions help flesh that out. And if you have a boring, mundane, annoying nightly order in the background that's a perfect way to flesh out a world and it can be that's just any it could be 
well, not not them. It could be the knights who the knights of the shrub who they just protect one shrub. It yeah. could be the knights of the fish. They just protect one pond. They love this pond. They're empowered by this pond. If they Ooh, leave, I love that. If they leave that pond area, they lose their power. They are only oh, powerful cool. when they're there. Almost like a Namor or Aquaman. Like if they're underwater, they are godlike. Like yeah. no one can beat them when they're in their pond. Yeah. So if like in like if you have like a temple, these knights are only powerful in this temple. If they leave, they are protectors of a sarcophagus. Of, of a long dead ruler and if if they're here they are they are like demigods yeah. they are powerful knights and they are protectors but when they leave this place they are mundane human beings that's a great way to work in symbolism for your world like how do you how do you make your world which oh, you i think when we're world building we for it's easy to forget that a world how big our own world is sometimes right like how long a mile is is you know it's, it's easy to forget these things but a knightly order that is bound to a particular place like that can be very good for like here's a representative of this place almost like having um benjen stark uh come uh at the beginning of game of thrones it's like oh he's from the castle black he's he represents the interest to the north. He represents the wall. Well, and I like I think bringing up the um, the Night's Watch. The Night's Watch is a great example of their great nightly order because they are they are not heroic. No, they are not glorious. They are necessary. Yep, and they are good. They're but they're also talented. but they're also well, I mean they're good in terms of like their purpose is very noble but yeah. they are not filled with great people they're usually dredges of society who it's like go there or die and serve and serve it, like there's a sense of service in a nightly order yeah and so and I even mean, with the ring rates if you want an evil example of it right like yeah. you could sort of think of them as a nightly order but it is well, and, evil and, and service bound and there's and bound is i think a right term because you can you can be bound for good or for ill mm -hmm. and it be outside of your control mm -hmm. you are supernaturally possessed mm -hmm. you just have no choice this is just a thing you have you're required to do and it's not even that death's an option like the ring race can't just choose to stop nope. they can't just go I'm like if you're the night's watch you can just jump off the wall yeah you just die that's easy you could suicide there mm -hmm. uh unless you're john um oh, but if you're a ring wraith you know you don't you don't, you don't no there's no out like yeah. the out is is success so like if you are a, you know if you're like a revenant or somebody who's like they are brought back from the dead and like you have to fulfill this nightly order's purpose and until that your oath i call is, on you to, to fulfill, fulfill your, your oaths <laughs> yeah i hold your oaths fulfilled um so like un <sighs> until you fulfill your oath you, you are stuck yeah so like that's a great a great use of an alley order and and you can make an oath to anything, really. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's why the paladins in D&D &D are so popular because they're, they're, these oaths... Well, they're mechanically... The... They're mechanically <laughs> broken. But, like, the, the oaths give such a hook for world building yeah. and for character building. Like, even I mean, the way that we're doing it in your campaign, my character, Iran, is an oath of the Watchers who is has taken an oath to protect the realm, right? Like, because... And from extra-dimensional threats... Who works with a knightly order that you've developed? Oh, it's a very easy. Now it's setup vulnerable here. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be okay. Oh, thank you. Safe space. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, there are a knightly order called the Orange Rathar, which I uh, using the Draconic Dictionary, which is great. Uh, like when you're building out anything in world building, I highly recommend find a language dictionary uh, or use a real world language that 
uh, jives with you. There's a draconic dictionary. I don't know from where it's derived, but it's on the internet. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it means like silver guardians or something like that. Cause it, the, the head of the, of the order is a silver dragon, an ancient silver dragon who has shape shifts into a human and to an elf. And th- their entire purpose of the order is, you know, they are going around the planes, all of the planes, not just the material plane, dealing with like, conflicts to interplanar order basically just saying everybody stay in your corner don't interfere with other don't go into other planes that you're not allowed into small amounts of it like can be tolerated because they can be dealt with by small scale solutions but it's like oh well demons are coming out of nowhere into the material plane we got to deal with that fast so their entire gig is just doing that they don't care about politics they don't care about government they don't care about helping you with like uh atrocities that are not related to interplanar stuff that is their only thing and it's i think when you have a knightly order they are driven by a mission and they become dogmatic about it this is this is what we do Mm -hmm. we don't like and we have to believe in it and we have to deal with it and if we don't do it no one else will do it and we believe this is the biggest threat period greater good requires us to do this and everybody else can go away. And like, it's up to us to decide what the greater good is. I mean, so, like, we were we were laughing earlier about, like, you know. But imagine if there was a knightly order that just existed only to monitor the use of language. Because from their moral framework, language was the most important thing. Yeah. And they... Words matter. Words matter. And they exist to either protect the name of the king or to protect... All right, I've got some noodles here. Okay. All right, so um, let's say this might bridge a little bit more too much into magic structure, but but let's roll with it. Let's say that in this world, language has power. Words literally matter. Words have power. And so there is a knightly order that is tasked with by themselves that have dedicated themselves to protect, to stopping the use of certain words. Maybe it's the name of the king or the name of a deity or something like that, because that word, the use of that word bridges way too close to accidentally casting a catastrophically devastating magical spell. Yeah. And so they are just monitoring language at all times. No, I, nothing else. Thievery, murder, adultery. They don't care language don't you take the name of the lord in vain because maybe you're actually going accidentally going to invoke the lord yeah i like that i don't even i don't think there's even any more noodles on top of that one i i think you're just i think that that's a good one that's just cool yeah i like that hey, i thanks. I'll take I, that. I think monitoring language i think if you're using magic like you can make a knightly order be invested in anything because it can be they can be invested in language they can be invested in I mean, you could if you want to go into full police state, it could, you could do it. They're, they're monitoring thought. Like you legit, like if if you want to have a a really grim, dark scenario, you can have a totalitarian state that literally that they have a knightly order whose job it is to police your thoughts, hmm. and they have through magic they know what you're thinking always. And maybe it's that they only know it if they can see you. So. Oh, interesting. Then it's like the streets are like people when you're on the street, you have to be very conscious of what you think because these knights are watching. They're constantly patrolling. And if they can see you, they can look basically into your soul and and, and hear your thoughts and then arrest you, execute you, whatever. If you're thinking bad things about uh, the emperor or whomever, you know, if 
I love that. And it, I love that idea of it, it opens up the vein to like, if you think about Magitech, like magical technology and I, you know, yeah, meaning yeah. like magical versions of technology. Like how would you have security cameras that are magical? Would it just be like scrying stones on, on every lamppost? Is that what it would be? Or would they just exist everywhere? And do they teleport in? Like, how do they get around? How do they mm. monitor you like that? I think, I think that's a good question. For me, I don't find that the magic tech is interesting because then it is too close to real world. And then I'm like, because then you're just, then you're just watching like 1984. Yeah. I like the idea that it is almost like there is the unknown of it's just, there are individuals on the street who can just read your thoughts and, and they could be in plain clothes, the undercover cops essentially who can read your thoughts. And then you basically create a, you create a system where people are, uh, trying to stay indoors and they're moving like they're building tunnels or alternate passageways to get anywhere because they they want to have that freedom of thought that freedom yeah. of expression so then you've got like a whole like underground world and then you have these same the same navy order what are we going to call these guys we, we, we gotta give them a name um the thought readers um, uh let's call so i'm thinking this is bringing to mind like if we're thinking what's the opposite of underground let's call them uh daylighters because you're up in the daylight. Yeah, the, the the order of daylight. The order of daylight. Yeah, yes, so, so perfect. Th- and and they just patrol these streets. They have uh, you know, like impressive weaponry and they carry like a like a stick that they can like point at at a person and like really get their thoughts or something. Yeah. I don't know. You could flesh it out how you Maybe want. You know what they call the people that live underground? Mushrooms. Well, so they don't like so like they don't even live underground because they're like they're not allowing under like to live underground is really hard because the daylighters are constantly trying to to make sure that that's not happening. Oh, they I are. See, okay. It's more you're trying to move in such people are trying to move around in such ways where they're not being seen by these daylighters because they don't want them to be, be looking into their thoughts. Because controlling your own thoughts, I mean, it's like you know th- that what's that old thing? It's like oh, I'm gonna say don't think of an elephant. But I, I thought of an elephant word, because I said the word elephant. And and so. if you're walking around and and, and and it's like, don't think ill of the emperor. Don't right. think oh, shit. Ill there's of, a daylighter. Don't it, think ill of the emperor. emperor. Ah, fuck the emperor. I'm thinking fill the emperor. What do I do? Ah, goddamn. Yeah. yeah. Like you get stuck in in that loop, and I think that could be really fun as like creating constraints mm. on movement on existence. And I think in any, I mean, in any story, you need conflict. You need constraints because if it's an unbounded society, then you, it gives you fewer obvious points of, of tension and conflict. So, but if you if you're like, okay, well, just literally moving freely, like free of people, like you can move freely, but, sure. you, but you don't get to move freely and think freely at the same time. Right. You're given one very specific type of freedom. Yeah. So the counterpoint to them, then let's assume because again, all right. So let's take the idea if we're if we're assuming that nightly orders can be bound to anything in particular, we've got the order of the daylight. Yeah. Do we also have a do we also have an order of twilight that is against them somehow? What would they you know how you know when you're creating a nightly mm. order it's easy you can think of it as there's you know there there's the dynamics in hero building right where it's like you know you've got you've got the the evil version of yourself or the opposite right so like the yeah. sith are the evil version of the jedi yeah but the opposite would be the techno union i don't know yeah well but, so, so like would the, would the order of twilight be the evil version of the daylighters or would they be the opposite would i think they it de- use thoughts as a weapon i guess it depends because so are we saying if the order of daylight is like an official entity 
sanctioned by the empire versus because like if like a knightly order it requires a level of you, you it, it's hard to operate in secrecy in for, for a knightly order because then you're in a different type of faction you are moving totally. out of knightly order so you have to be like a like established known entity yeah. that is an you know whatever you said the top independent semi-independent like at the it, end so, of rogue one they know when they've got caught by vader like oh, this isn't just getting caught by the Emperor. This is getting caught by a knight. By, like, you're caught by, oh, f- hey, this is Vader. Yeah, We're fucked. The power, I mean, well, the intimidation comes from that. So, yeah. like, like you have to be somewhat known. So, the, the Order of the Twilight, if it's the opposite, if it's, like, if they're, as a, if they're opposed, are they sanctioned by the Empire? Or they could be sanctioned by, um, maybe it's the Order of daylight is semi-sanctioned by the empire by the emperor himself but then there's like the ministry of something is empowering is 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 sanctioning the order of twilight what if the order of daylight is sanctioned by a religious leader and the order of twilight is sanctioned by a political leader that are at odds with each other and the emperor doesn't give a shit. Or the emperor or the emperor is the political figure, but the religious figure is a pope or a high cleric or someone who the, it's mm. the, the church and state are fully separate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I, I like the idea that the order because it, it feels very religious doctriney to have yeah. to be like we like we're monitoring thought. Yeah. So they so they're or monitoring. Or thought. you could flip it. Maybe the religion is trying to free people from the tyranny of an empirical state. Of an empirical imperial state, and that works too. I mean that that's Howard Thurman, Jesus and the Disinherited, right? Is that is that religion was a way to free yourself from the burden of tyranny? Yeah, and gave you an out. So it could go either way. It could go either way, but I I think whoever in the whoever the political entity is, if it's not like if it's the Order of Twilight, the and the political entity is supporting them, it can't be the Emperor because that just wouldn't make that'd be really weird. Uh, if they were like trying to undercut the entity that is helping their reign or maybe maybe they're doing it because they believe that is a really bad decision the emperor is is very smart and isn't interested in totalitarianism and he's mm. saying religious leader you're you you are cramping my style you are threatening yeah. a rebellion if you keep pushing this right and and they've tried to say stop that but and and, and they've tried to like to act against this this religious entity, but, but religi- how can you? They have the order of daylight; they're untouchable. When, well, they're not untouchable to the emperor, but they are untouchable because it, it, it's a catch twenty two. Because mm. because the order of or the, the religious, like that religion, that church, that whatever that is, that religion is very popular, and to go against them very openly by like clearly arresting them and kind of like declaring war against them yeah. as the emperor would would put him in in a worse political position right but he also doesn't want the order of daylight to exist but the, but the pope or whoever the head of this religion is won't listen to, to him try to to back down to yeah. say back down and he can't push it too far in the open so he says okay i will start up my like a rival thing and they will just push back against you i will push back against you with the same weapon you're using against me in yep. the open yep. and my order of twilight will win will curry more favor with the public than your order of daylight and maybe i'll turn the tide and, and make this religion less popular and take away their power very much like it's uh 
thinking of the high sparrow in uh game of thrones and like game of thrones where he's like lifted up as a political figure of like oh this is a political pun and then he became more powerful than 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 the crown right so this is a situation where the emperor is smart and knows that, and this guy like he didn't lift him up but he's like he's yep. watching him rise and saying oh god i gotta take this this guy down before he becomes too much of a problem for me right so he uses the order of twilight as what seems almost counterintuitive and nobody knows order of twilight is sanctioned by him no it's happening in secret well, and maybe people don't even know or the order or their funding is secret they have to exist in the public that's kind of they the exist point, in the right? public but and, and and it's like people suspect it's the emperor but yeah. the emperor hasn't said anything there's no proof there's no proof and and he's not condoning or no. yeah, he's just not commenting and and what is the order of twilight doing even how, even how, taking the full batman approach of like we condemn all this this vigilantism and please ignore the spotlight on the roof of police. Yeah. <laughs> That's not related to anything. Totally. <laughs> All right. So what is the order of twilight doing? How are they counteracting the order of daylight? Well, so I think you can, you can think of them as opposing in two ways. So like if you, if you take those two options, one, you've got, they are the evil versions, quote unquote, or the opposite versions of the order of twilight or they of the order of daylight. Or they're the, or they're the other. There's something. There's something wholly different. So if you want to think about them being sort of the moral and and you know, the moral opposite, it would be well if the order of daylight's weaponry is trying to use our thoughts against us, then what if the order of twilight uses our uses their thoughts as weapons and they're very like psychic attacks telekinesis that sort of thing they're like they're like following the order of daylight and the order of daylight goes to like they can kind of tell when the order of daylight's about to read someone's thoughts and and they like and they just kind of like static attack them yeah and so the the order of daylight can't actually hear the thoughts all they hear is like they like ah and they get in pain because they've kind of had like uh like a very loud static noise in their in their brain yeah um that's good so like you know kind of again you're you're using the same power but the opposite side of it what they would see as a perversion of it yeah, just and, in the same way that the Jedi see the Sith as pervert, the dark side as a perversion of the yeah. Force. But if you wanted to do something like totally the other, right? What if the Order of Daylight was, you know, they're all very cerebral, they're very capable physically, but you know, the the majority of their power comes from from comes from fear. You know, it's all very very mental. What if they were just brawlers? They were just like, we will not suffer fools. Like, we have some sort of magical helmet that protects you from reading our thoughts. It's the, it's the, it's the Magneto. It's the it's Magneto. It's Juggernaut, right? Like, yeah. you physically cannot stop it. Shit, maybe they're robots. Maybe maybe they're, you know, they're, they're yeah. some sort of magi- magical armor brought to life that have no thoughts. Yeah. I think in that situation, then you just have like an arms race because if these orders are established, and I think we, we might be getting to the bottom of this bowl here of like you, you've got the two orders that are opposed to each other, policing thoughts, one being supported by a religious entity, one being supported by a political entity, and the arms race that will occur for one of those to win, Yeah, I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that might be – that's for you all to explore. Yeah. That's for and, and you know, there it touches on every, you know, it's a great example of how nothing exists in a vacuum because now we're suddenly talking about rebellion and, and religion re- and like arms race and technology and magic. And well, and, and depending on how a knightly order is situated within within the system, they are upholding something. We no, they have that. a task. They have a duty like they, they are driven by something. they serve. They serve either themselves a cause that they have determined or something 
that they believe is greater than themselves or an actual power greater than themselves. What happens, though, when there's mission drift, right? Because, like, you know, if you think about... Yeah. This is built in everywhere, right? Like, you know, the Jedi... Why did the Jedi fall in the prequel trilogy? Well, because... they didn't make Anakin a master. I know. Thank you. Someone else gets it. But they, you know, they were supposed to be, you know, keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Well, they became soldiers. They lost their focus on what they were supposed to actually be doing. That yeah. was Qui-Gon's whole point, like the living force, right? Shit, even in D&D, there's the paragon of the, the, the not the paragon, there's the, the paradigm of the Oathbreaker. Right? Yeah. Where, like, what happens when there's drift? Game of Thrones is coming up a lot today, but, like, uh, Jamie Lannister, is his reputation is sullied because he broke his oath. And, right. But... He broke his oath by keeping his oath, right? Because he, what he did was the best thing to do. But you're like, it, when you put these people who are sworn, they've sworn fealty to an institution, to an order, to you, like you get that brotherhood element, and you get yeah. into uh, people have a really hard time going against the grain when everybody around them is going with it, and especially if you are bonded by blood, you are bonded mm. by a mission or whatever it is by duty. It's hard to then take a, sec- a step back and go, wait, guys. What are we doing? Where are we not, going? not even that. I mean, and because there's an element to it you're talking about. And we see it a lot in kind of modern media when we have, yeah. you know, cop shows that deal with dirty cops. Right. And it's yeah. like, oh, no one wants to turn in there. You know, like, oh, we're brothers. I couldn't turn them in kind of thing. Right. Which is real. That's a real, of course, like the guilt that you have to deal with that. It, you know, he's my best friend. It's it's the, the, there's a grayness to it. You know, nightly order is another very typical uh, element of them or a trope there is that you've got a master and apprentice relationship yeah. or a knight and a squire. There is a very str- like they depend on structured relationships like that. So yeah. And not like a hierarchy of like um, you have <laughs> private sergeant, lieutenant, captain, you like, you know, you have fewer ranks within, an, within a nightly order oftentimes, but it is, but it is very much every relationship is structured. Unless very you- intimate. Very intimate and like, or it's like, um, you know, I imagine in many situations you could just have like night to night. It's like more rivalry than friendship. Mm, it could be whatever. Sure. But yeah, those structured relationships are a huge part of it. When we're thinking about nightly orders, how can you work it in so that these relationships, how do you make that fresh? You know, because we've seen it happen where, oh, my, you know, Qui-Gon dies in front of, of, of. Obi-Wan, right? And uh, that's his big motivator. Death is a big motivator. Yeah. Um how can we change it up in that what if your what if your mentor what if you know let's sort of take Anakin here and and, and noodle on that for a little bit, right? Like what happens when you're better? What happens when you're just straight better and stronger and why like and and I don't mean like Anakin haughty, cocky kind of thing, but you're just objectively better. Yeah. Than your master, than the person that's supposed to be teaching you. It's like how many people have a boss who they're like, I'm more competent than you. Yeah. I should be your boss. Right. Yeah. And if if you're in an institution that is inherently violent, we are upholding justice. We are or we are upholding violence. Yeah. Like we are the sake the security of this lake depends on the master apprentice relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and like strength. You are the fish to my whale. <laughs> <laughs> the strength element becomes yeah super important so uh, like if you uh, i I guess where you're going with that is like do you have a is it an an attempted toppling is it a Mm. i will i will challenge you to a duel but it could also be if you are a a well-structured order you would say okay well 
here's a trial mm -hmm. show that you are you are indeed you've outclassed your master and you also become a full-fledged knight and then you can yeah. you can just be their equal and be and your reputation can be more potent than theirs but you learned and you grew it, it, it i think the problem becomes when you put a cap on the potential like on the, like there is a, a cap on your ability to ascend oh, and yeah. i think that's what the problem with what happened with anakin and like be like oh well like he's not a master he's, he's not, not a master it's like well if you put everyone on that council then like it doesn't really it, it's kind of it changes the dynamic right. that you have yeah and that's why like having a council having a um a democratic body or having a like a body where if everybody gets across the finish line, everybody's welcome. Yeah, it, 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 it might be better to just pick, I'm in charge, one guy's in charge, and if you all get across the finish line, you get to the highest rank we got, but above you is just me. I'm just by myself, one guy. Well, and I mean, that happened with Yoda, and Yoda was around for like a thousand years or something because he was so old. And so what happens then when... But but Yoda You're, still shared power with the rest of the, of the Jedi Council. I'm I'm saying he did. remove the whole Jedi Council, put them a rank lower, and just have Yoda be by himself. There was a um, there's a term for this which I love. Um, oh shoot, primus inter pares, which is first among equals. Okay, and yeah. that's actually often used. Um, a, a very common uh, example of that is Superman within the rest of the Justice League. Yeah. Where it's like, there's a Justice League. They're all, you know, they're all but equal, but Superman. it's he's Superman. Like, it's going to be Superman. Like, so f I love that idea of like a first among equals, Primus inter Paris. I think that, that that's a great idea. I'm thinking from like a structural perspective. I'm like, that's a bad idea still, though. I think it's a good it idea. Like, it's a good idea from like a world building perspective. Oh, totally. But, it, but you're creating the conflict. So you could basically have uh, like in, in Justice, you can have the Superman versus the rest of the Justice League. Completely. Like, it, like, you can, you, you are asking for that. You're asking for Anakin betraying the council whatever mm -hmm. like first one equals if you're is gatekeeping a, power you are asking for people who are being gatekept to attack correct. especially if they are potent correct and i think if you are trying to build like an order that is actually going to w withstand the test of time it has to be a there has to buck has to stop somewhere and has to be very defined like you having one master who's just in charge of this whole place and everybody just go to that person that they are the arbiter of decisions. And that's that. And everybody else can has the men have their own little like area of authority. But at the end of the day, one guy gets to make decisions and kind of control it. And that could be decided, however, but you've got to have that. I think first among equals gets you into a place where it's problematic. And whether or not that person at the top is better is irrelevant. Sure. As long as they are seen as like as long as everybody in the institution understands that's the person that needs to be making decisions because that keeps us from descending into anarchy and descending into bitter rivalries and uh, turf wars. But what if that's a good thing? So I've got some noodles here, right? Okay. We've been talking about order. I mean, like it's in the name order, structure, rigidity. And and it's a very common trope to say, you know, oh, I'm bad. You know, like Anakin just wanted to hook up with Padme. Like, and, you know, they made him feel all guilty about that shit. Like, just let him get married. Who the hell cares? Right. But it's built in. But what if what if the order was more about a title as proof of skill or capacity, what if we remove the structure of it? So you still had these knights. Okay. You still had them out in the world. Mm -hmm. 
but they're not affiliated. They're affiliated with each other only by name only. It's more like a franchise night kind of a thing, right? <laughs> the <laughs> franchise night? The franchise night, right? Where you're not explicitly bound to any sort of hierarchy. Yeah. You're just out there. Like you are knighted. You are given that title, but yeah. you don't have it. So I'm thinking about... Um, We've been on a trees kick recently. Let's let's call that. Let's say that there is there is a tree. You're a knight of the tree, but you're more of a leaf because you're just sort of out there on your out, on your own, a leaf blowing in the wind, uh-huh. right? And so you're out there. Yeah, sometimes you run into other leaves, and you are you know what the oath is. You you've still sworn that oath, but once you've sworn that oath, you go do what you got to do. You go you go what you got to get done what you got to done you're out there in the world accomplishing your mission and i i'm not sure the tree metaphor the tree metaphor is terrible i i think it also was quickly abandoned but that's a but i I like where you're going i'm thinking a lot of uh mass effect uh the specters are i love the specters but i love the idea of like they are fully independent of each other and of in like they operate above the law yep outside of the law they answer to uh the galactic council who oversees them but they but even and, doesn't and, explicitly control exactly like they do but they they can revoke that status yeah but once the status is given it is saying like you have sworn your oath you are empowered to go do what you're going to do and we're not going to keep an eye on you we're not paying attention you're doing we trust that you have everyone's best interests and there's and sorry to interrupt but there's a here's a rampaging meatball but there's an interesting thing it's like you said revoke status right like yeah to say, oh well, I'm I was a specter. You're still sort of a specter at that point. Can you ever really revoke that yeah, status? Because you know it's, what I mean? it's if you're if you are empowered and given a status that says I'm above the law, and then that's revoked, you are saying all your actions now fully within the law, and you can be punished very quickly by other people for them. So I think. I think you can revoke. As long as that. they choose to punish you, they don't have to. Anyway, look, sorry, that's look, a, I've I've derailed us completely. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think the like the specters are a great example of what does it mean to have an enemy order that is franchised of just these are guys who or or gals or uh, non-binary or whatever because it is a there are lots of floating blobs in Mass Effect. Totally. Uh, I but, love J. Kenji Lopez alt guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but so these specters just do whatever they want. They act outside the law. And I think in any fictional world, you can have an order that just says we do what we want. We, we fulfill our oath. And if you if you are sanctioned by a entity that has authority, if 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 you are sanctioned by the entity that has the monopoly on the legitimate use of violence, yep. uh, quote Max Faber, then you are you transfer that legitimate use of violence and say you as a knight of uh a knight of the tree can mm-hmm. go attack do whatever as long as you are serving your oath and we will check in on you every so sure. often to make sure you're fulfilling your oath otherwise we don't know no. and we don't really care and when you run into each other you might you you, you could have two specters or two knights of the tree go into a full-blown fight and uh and they could, devastate if you're that powerful you might devastate a town you might completely you might kill a bunch of civilians and you might have your superman versus zod i mean like they destroyed metropolis and think of all the conflict that could arise from that yeah and like you can you could have that status revoked but and then you could be somehow weakened disempowered Mm -hmm. and left to deal with the consequences of your actions you are um 
you were imprisoned and but like before that, that happened they took away your magic they or they yeah. they somehow sapped your strength so you are no longer really all that strong i think the franchising version i like more as like i'm more drawn to franchise like the, like the the independently operating knights because I, yeah. I think that's really cool but does that move outside of knights i don't know like it, at what point is it like because in night order if it is like we have a home base like should they have a home base should they be like if, if we go back to the example that of from my D campaign yeah. that we're running of like these are interplanar like policemen basically they they live in a in a pocket dimension in a demiplane right that's where their, their base of operation is and they just teleport to the plane shift to and from whenever an, an issue arises yeah but that's where their base of operation is and you can't access that yeah. and i think power rangers and the command center yeah and like uh the great night- example of a knightly order by the way like the original 90s power rangers like yeah i mean like yeah they were child soldiers but like they're hitting all this criteria yeah Right. Like they've got the wise sage, the first, you know, they've also got the field leader, you know, the the first among equals, who's clearly the leader, but they're all equals. Yeah. They've got the the raiment, the armor, the, the you know, they inspire all this awe. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, yeah. Power Rangers is great. Power I, lo- I love it as a kid. I went as the one of the Power Rangers for Halloween several years. I did too. Rest in peace, Jason David Frank. All right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, where were we with pre-Power Rangers? Nothing is pretty. I don't know. It's I, all I, power. I feel like we need new noodles. I think we might need some new noodles. There is one other idea here that I am has always it's it's hard to work into, but it is based on this franchise idea. Where before, you know, we said like the idea of a knight is a title. Like, you know, do it's it it comes down from an authority. It, it is a status conferred upon you, right? Imagine that over time, and we've seen this in the real world, so bear with me, I'm getting there, but imagine that over time, the magic and the the skills become less important. And as this knightly order gets closer and closer and more deeply entwined with with, with some form of power or authority, that it just becomes a status symbol. Maybe, say, there's someone who gets very good at acting and... (laughs) I wonder to... <laughs> what real world example you're about to use. And, you know, Sir Mia McKellen, uh, you know, plays this fantastic uh, sorcerer um, named Wandolf, uh, Randolph the Red uh, and decides, you know, one day, you know, he's done such a good job that he's he's has the status of knight conferred upon him. But there is no requirement of of physical or magical might. And it's just become a status mm. symbol at this point. Now let's imagine that there is a triggering event and suddenly guess who is called to order? Guess who is called to service? But Sir Randolph or Sir Mian Akellen, uh-huh. who was nominated to knighthood solely for his portrayal of Sir of Randolph the Red the Sorcerer. Okay. And so you have this knightly order. It still exists. It's still a knightly order in the same sense because it has its historical bounds in it. But now it's just made up of all these people that are politically important, but have no capacity, martial or magical whatsoever. Okay, Uh, I'm going to throw some sauce on that. I think you're you're half doing this in jest, but I'm like, yeah. I'm doing it in jest because I think about it a lot. Like, I I always ask myself, like, could the queen call Patrick Stewart to come fight for her? No. I know, but imagine if you could. Yeah, well, what I was going to say, in, say, you have, in a speculative world, you have 
you have that same type of night order. You, you, you have a situation where they've been at peace for so long and previously uh, to be a part of some nightly order, any of them, it was a, it was a uh, country where there were eight nightly orders. All of them were highly revered. Mm. And to be a part of them was such an honor. And then they went through all these wars. They have now like conquered much of what was a, a, around they them. They won the war. They won the war. They are now at peace. To be a knight is still considered to be such an honor that they now have um, maybe a couple of these navy orders have become uh, they have become like filled with prominent members of society who are essentially either you could have one where it's they're buying their way in as a sign of uh, status. Some who are just who have done who have conferred a great uh, benefit onto society yep. so that they've been given yep. this nightly order or their what, or acad- recognition for an academic or scientific pursuit it could be any of those things but then you have a couple of these orders that are still dogmatically believing in their traditions they are still warrior uh, class they are trained they are ready to fight they believe there will be another war at the some survivalist point. uncle a little bit but like more of like proud traditionalist who was like the proud yeah, military okay, man i see you in uh who was like i want to use this is what, what i'm prepared to do this is how i serve as i'm ready to fight yeah. and they and they look so down upon these other knightly orders who are they're like change mm. your names abandon this knight like, you're no knight yeah create like this is a social club for you yeah for me this is a way of life this is this is who i am and, and you create an internal conflict of the multiple knightly orders existing in one place that have very different purposes and I love and that. especially if, if you're talking about mission drift earlier like if you have mission drift away from what was once a service and more towards a ceremony yeah. then you you create a lot of tension absolutely and you create a, a resentment yeah i love the idea that you said about because the the principle of mission drift there is very important because it means that they still see themselves as knights of combat instead of their potentially being knights of ceremony knights of academia you know like where you just become very focused on one particular thing like we said before you can have a a knight be a representative of a particular sect or section or part of your world or element of your world right if you Mm -hmm. if you want to think of it like you know you represent planar concerns if you have a member of the Orntrathar show up at a conference in in our D&D campaign that'd be like oh there's a planar element to consider here that we're not thinking about. And so, mm. you know, you can have it be that way. But I like the idea there that there's, I like the idea that um, they're, they're knights and they still hold on to that title, but won't acknowledge their mission drift. Yeah. Okay. That's important. And it creates opportunity. What You mentioned something before that got me thinking about the importance of ritual in these knights. You know, like the, the, the knights watch take their oaths in front of the trees, right? You know, when the Jedi, when knighthood is confirmed, it's the tap, you know, for the Jedi, they cut off the Padawan thing. What if there was a ritual way, you know, for conflict to be resolved either within one particular of these eight orders or between the two eight orders? What would that look like? I don't know. Would it be combat? Would it be like a physical trial, like a race of some sort? What would it? I think it, okay. Within, I think it would be totally dependent upon, like, I, I mean, if you're, like, looking at the ceremonial ones, they wouldn't probably have an inter... I think you, if you are in this context where there's the eight that still exist, I think there's no longer a way to resolve the conflict between mm. them. I think that's, like, 
there used to be a tradition of they would have uh they would spar they, they would have a fight and whoever like you know like a fight to the death whoever yielded yeah. like 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 a you know like a, a, an actual fight where people could be injured but they would just pick you would yield and then your your order would kind of win the day sure or you would be brought before the the king or the emperor or somebody who's in charge and you would have to plead your case or something like there, there'd be some sort of arbitration but mm-hmm. now there is no arbitration because uh, because of this trip because these are so ceremonial they don't have any they don't even have like full-time stat like th- th- these knights don't aren't involved versus yeah. the other orders they're like they're there every day that they, they live in, in the same castle temple whatever wherever these knights are based they live there they are there all the time so they're they almost resent these people even more that they're like you've like I, we don't even know how to how to deal with you because you're not even a part of this system anymore yeah so like to deal with conflict is basically just interpersonal and you, you'd have to go to them and be mm-hmm. like hey like wh- wh- what the are you fuck are you doing yeah like what are you doing like but they're on completely different playing fields like yeah. it's you know you have a warrior class and you have like a banker class like right. like two very different things right. that like they they don't really settle conflict with each other mm. they might just kind of resent each other and what especially when you think about it from you know if the mechanism for conflict resolution was a physical trial in nature but only one party is still physically capable yeah it's like well yeah we could have this but what's the point like it's, yeah we know what the outcome would be yeah well and then you and then you get like um well our we have redefined what it means to be a knight for us to be a knight is to is to find another way to serve right and and you guys are myopic you think the only way to serve roots yeah is through violence who are you being violent has changed like there's no one to fight we are instead working on advancement technology service to the mind we are we are here to help our people feel better about themselves we are putting on plays we are writing we are writing books. We're making clothes. We are doing other things, and you are contributing what to society now? Anger, Nothing. violence, bloodshed. When you like, when you move out of the medieval age, like we kind of abandoned knighthood. Mm-hmm. Like knights became not a thing. Like the because they just no longer really served a purpose. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but you're like the purpose of any warrior class becomes like really difficult to fulfill they become left behind by society especially when you move out of a war and if you still had a war going on this for this night these knights to fight in then they're like yeah that's what they would do but if in this case it's been and i don't want to like be because the actual warrior class of america has serious issues with this of like society undervaluing them and not not helping them because you, you at this point you are so divorced of conflict then you create like almost like the paradigm is shifted and then they just look like idiots and they're mm. in the wrong because it's not like th- there's w- w- conflict coming yeah and like when does the knights just become stubborn but then are they proved are right we, yeah part way through the story probably i mean that's typically what happens but what if what if they're not proved right if they what if they are so paranoid that they end up you know you fall they in, start a fight they start a fight Ooh, where it, there is no dragon under the mountain they believe there is. But they believe there is. And so they decide one of them finally snaps and is like, all right, we're going. And they actually invade a hostile territory. Yeah. And they start an international conflict. And there was no dragon. Or there is a dragon. They go to do that. They find out the dragon was had no interest in them. Uh, the dragon was just chilling, have plenty in their horde. It's just stoned. like. Stoned. 
Yeah, just like just yeah, a stone dragon who, Captain Crunch. who gets high off of off of the fumes of like the sulfury fumes of this volcano. Yeah. They're just like and and they and, hey, man. And, and these knights just bust Why? in. Why? It's being real loud, bro. <laughs> uh, and these knights just come in and they they start some drama. And all of a sudden, this dragon is awake and this dragon's annoyed because these these knights are attacking it. And they, I'd be annoyed. And shit, and, I'd be pissed. And they wipe out, like the dragon just wipes out these knights. Uh huh. And that's the end of the story. They don't even. They don't no even fu- go go after the town. They no. just They go back. They get high again. <laughs> they just wipe out. The night. Yeah. All they like. I it's, love it. It's very much a Terry Pratchett conclusion Absolutely. to a novel. It's just like you don't have to carry it one step further when, whenever it's like. Oh, eye for an eye. What's like sometimes it is just yeah, an eye for an eye. I don't need yeah. to go. I don't need to take your whole body. No. Like you attacked me, cool, dead, yeah. and then I'm going yeah. and doing my own thing again because I don't want to bother. And because I like and and it's like almost like the karma of like it's these so guys fun. wanted so badly for them to, for them to be relevant knights again. Yeah. So they and and they pushed their luck too far. Yeah. And they're gone. That's and brilliant. and with that. All of the knightly orders are ceremonial because the, the last ones that were still military killed themselves. That's great. They, they spectacular suicide by dragon. Spectacular, spectacular. We've thrown a lot of noodles at the wall today, man. This I, has I, been. I think it was rapid noodling. It was. It was real rapid noodling. What stuck for you? Uh, let me think. I really like. I mean, I like where we just ended. I think that was yeah, fun. Yeah, but uh, that was great. That but, was so Monty Python. It's so Monty Python. I love the Order of Twilight being specifically sponsored by the Emperor. Mm. I like the idea of of somebody making such a shrewd political move to realize that the best thing for them is to not exert more political control. They need to. They need to act against people who are trying to exert control because. If it, control is exerted, they're going to be the one that's blamed, even yeah. if they're not the one behind it. So yeah. they're like, well, no, no, you can't do that. I will instead uh, attack an institution that is trying to help me, basically. Yeah. I think that's I, I think that's my favorite thing that nice. really sticks out. That's what, a good one. I like what, that. What sticks for you? I really liked, um, I really loved your idea of knights bound to a particular place and not necessarily bound by oath, but who's who's power was distinctly sourced in a place like the knights of the lake the knights of the fish yeah i thought was a really cool idea there's so much potential there yeah because what it means is that not only do you have this representative thing like i was saying with the orange are and oh there's a planar element but it means that it gives you a great vehicle to contextualize your story yeah. right where we have to stay within a 10 mile radius of this or otherwise portal weak, yeah. or this lake and and so that's it we're done yeah the conflict is uh they need to deal with it right there they can't let it go far farther right. away it's like uh it's the ticking ticking bomb and the bomb is are they going to get to the at the edge of our power right and they're getting farther and farther away yeah it's jurisdiction by a different name yes absolutely Completely. And I just I think that's a really cool idea that has great opportunities like and you can make it silly in the Knights of the Fish or you can take it deadly seriously. Yeah. And it's just it's a great vehicle. It's a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's what stuck for us. Uh, Let us know what stuck for you. Thanks for listening. Bye.